0: Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing
1: more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. This week, we are all about that football life. From Kyler Murray to the revamped Miami Dolphins, we recap week 10 and look ahead to week 11 of the NFL. We also break down the playoff picture as it stands today before heading to Dylan to discuss actions and consequences on Backfire. Sometimes clear eyes and full hearts are not enough. And with that, let's get to it. Steph, we are heading in to week 11, which is crazy to me. Week 11 of the NFL season. I do not know how it happens so fast. This always happens with football. It's like you're so excited for it to start and you just can't wait and the next thing you know it's week 11.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It <laughs> went fast, huh? 10 it really weeks. Did. I, mean, I that, mean, it
1: really did.
0: I know, but that's how football is, I guess, but in life, but <laughs> it's
1: just it's True. Like, <laughs> that is true, and and we saw week ten. I think obviously the highlight of week ten mm-hmm. was the Cardinals Bills game, where Kyler Murray just threw that ball up into the air, hail Murray, wow, as they me. say, and DeAndre Hopkins jumped up and made the catch, and they beat the Bills. I mean that was incredible. Yeah, I. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a hail
0: mary. I mean, it's just uh, you don't see them often, but when you do, they're pretty spectacular.
1: Especially it was that one, <laughs> pretty spectacular. And just maybe a minute before, Josh Allen had completed a pretty impressive pass to put to, to Stephon Diggs to put the Bills on top, and it looked like they were going to win. And then there was what was it? Like thirty two seconds left. So I had to. Mm-hmm. I was obviously watching the Forty Saints, so I I like heard about it and then went back to see and. He threw it up, and I mean, in a very Russell Wilson like fashion. Fourth quarter magic. Uh, Kyler right. Murray <laughs> made it happen, and actually, you know, I know we said we were going to start in the AFC, but as long as we're talking, yeah, let's talk. Let's start in the NFC. So it made it just. It's amazing what those thirty seconds did. They really had the ability to change potentially the entire season uh, for the Cardinals, especially, uh, the bills still hold, you know, the lead in the AFC East. And I don't really think anyone is going to necessarily catch them. However, (laughs) Miami's not too far behind, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so it, it really made quite a difference for the Cardinals because at this moment in time, they are now the leaders in the NFC West and you, they look real good. So you have the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams all at six and three. So the Seahawks and Cardinals will play each other again on Thursday. And I think this becomes a very interesting game for a number of reasons. You have two defenses that are giving up a lot of points. You have two quarterbacks that may be yeah. magic, but Russell Wilson has looked much less magical the last couple of weeks and everybody has bad games, yeah. but you, we're just seeing a marked difference from where he was, you know, those first several weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, he is, even though he is Russell Wilson and he's amazing and he starts every single game, you know, and everything, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he's probably a little bit more banged up. He's older, you know, he's, you know, everybody's banged up on the O-line. So, you know, he's definitely um, feeling it a lot more than I think you have these younger guys like Kyler Murray and they just bounce back up. It's just, you know, it's a gif- different, uh, it's a different day and age, which is, you know. We'll see how he does, but he didn't look as uh, spectacular as we normally see. let him. You
1: know, he usually cooks, but we'll see. So the other thing we're, of course, seeing is that he is throwing interceptions. He had a bad one in the end zone the other day, and he just has looked a little bit off the last few weeks. And I don't know if it is what you're saying, that he's getting a lot banged up behind, you know, a lot more banged up behind that O-line or what is going on, but the Rams certainly took care of him the other day. Jalen Ramsey had a Mm -hmm. fantastic game. uh, And, you know, the Seahawks just don't look the same. And it's interesting with the Seahawks because historically they tend to start a season a little slower, but it's like, you know, they're always going to heat up. And this year seems to be, you know, the the opposite of that. Uh, The Rams looked really good. The other day. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to a little bit what we were talking about last week how some teams, like this season, it feels like more than any other, you have teams that one week look terrible and then the next week look like the greatest team of all time. And I'm not saying the Rams (laughs) did that, but we saw them a few weeks ago, you know, completely handled by the 49ers who have not looked very good the last few weeks. And then, you know, they just handled the Seahawks with no problem. So it's a very interesting season that way. And I think it's going to be even more interesting as we get into the playoffs. But so Thursday night, we have the Cardinals at the Seahawks. You have these two defenses that are both giving up a lot of points. And the thing with the Cardinals, I mean, they were a Hail Mary away. I mean, so right. it it is a close game. Obviously, the Cardinals won the last one in overtime in a very exciting game. This one is in Seattle. Uh, it looks like it might rain, which I think is worth mentioning, just because that could make a difference, uh, especially for – the Cardinals that maybe aren't as used to playing in that. It's like a 50% chance of rain, but I just think it's, it's worth mentioning. Um, Mm -hmm. but this should be a really good, really hard fought game. And it very well could again, come down to the very end. And I think really it's going to come down to which quarterback has a better game.
0: It could go either way. (laughs) I don't really even know. Like there's so much, which makes me a little bit disappointed because, It's such a tough conference, but at their division, but it, at the same time, it was really like anybody's, you know, division to win. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, makes me a little bit sad that the injuries, you know, plagued the 49ers this year, because I think they would have run away with it if they were healthy. And at the same time, you know, you have to give credit where it's due, you know, Murray's doing a really great job, you know acclimating in a very tough division but I you know I'm 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 gonna lean towards Arizona mm-hmm. at, for next game but I you know it could go either way
1: it definitely go either way I actually am leaning towards Arizona as well I think they have momentum on their side coming off they're coming off a super exciting win and the Seahawks are coming off a pretty difficult loss so mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna lean towards Arizona as well but I'm i stick by what I said in the beginning. And I think it's really just going to come down to which to the uh, the QBs and, and who makes less mistakes. And I think that's really uh, what it's going to come down to. Oftentimes in games like this, I think it comes down to defense, but with these two teams, I don't necessarily think uh, that that's the case. Just, you know, recently, um, because they've both been dealing with a lot. The Rams are going to be playing Monday night against the Buccaneers uh, Mm -hmm. who are in a little bit of a playoff hunt of their own. They are currently the fifth seed, but they're half a game behind in the NFC South to the saints. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is a very important game for both of these teams. You know, the Rams are in a funny situation because no matter who wins on Thursday, they're still it's good. Yeah. They're yeah. like fighting <laughs> for their division, but the saints of course are going to be without drew Brees for a while who has uh, cracked ribs. And I believe a yeah. collapsed lung after that hit, from Contavia street that he was called for roughing the passer. I think many of us disagree and did not feel it was a fair call, but obviously uh, Drew Brees really got hurt on that one. Hurt, so it's going to yeah. be, I mean, Sean Payton does not want to say yet who his quarterback is going to be between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I think it'll definitely be Jameis, just because he uses Hill in so many different places in that offense. I don't know that he is looking for him to be the starting quarterback, but Time will tell. I'm I'm not in charge of that decision, uh, but the <laughs> Jameis Winston is, you know, he's 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 a mystery. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, a- he's stepping up. I'm hoping he does all right.
0: Like I I I don't know. I always pull for him, but we'll see how it happens. What we
1: happens definitely there. see, but you know, it it'll be a different offense. Now they, lucky for them, will be playing the Falcons this week. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you say that, but of course, any given Sunday, but they are playing the Falcons this week. So I think the Saints certainly have an easier matchup than the Buccaneers. Uh, But that's, you know, another place where the the playoff picture is looking interesting. So if the playoffs were to start tomorrow in the NFC, Mm. the seeds would be as follows. It would go and I'm going in order one through seven Packers, Saints, Cards, Eagles. I mean, don't get me started on the NFC East Uh. (laughs) Buccaneers, Rams, Seahawks. So you would have three NFC West teams yeah. in the playoffs, which I think is highly, highly possible. Uh, so that would be it if it, they started tomorrow. Uh, the Bears and the Vikings would not make it. The Bears at 5-5 five and five after a hot start or falling apart. Uh, the Vikings are at 4-5. and five. They, of course, beat the Bears last night for Kirk Cousins' first ever Monday Night Football win. So that's very exciting. But that's where we would be should, if the playoffs started you know, tomorrow. So it's uh, going to be a very interesting few weeks and it will come much like the Thursday night game. I think the playoffs are very much going to come down to the wire, at least in the NFC West, and the NFC South, the NFC North is pretty much, you know, a done deal. I mean, the NFC right. East in theory as well, but nobody cares because the winner of that division may win six games. So, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's a whole different, thing, but I think the NFC South and the yeah. NFC West are going to be very fun to watch in the coming weeks. So we will be keeping a close eye on that. Uh, So there's that. Now let's move over to the AFC where things are also very interesting. So if I'm going to start with, if the playoffs started today again, and I'm just going to go down one through seven, it would be the Steelers, the Chiefs, who would be the second (laughs) seed, the Bills, the Colts, the Raiders, the Dolphins, who we must discuss, and the Ravens. So that is, it's kind of interesting. You would see the Titans would not make it if it started tomorrow, of course. The Browns yeah. would not make it. The Patriots would not make it. So we have our, I what I'm going to call our AFC game of the week, uh, the Titans at the Ravens, which is yeah. a very important game uh, for both of these teams, really, sure. especially the Titans. But the Ravens upset by the Patriots. The other night, it it was crazy. What a game. There's been a lot of talk about the weather and what a factor it was, but I mean, both teams had to play in the same weather. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's just how it
0: goes some days. I mean, I don't think that, um, Lamar Jackson had like the best game ever, but I don't think they lost because of him. I think there were so many things that had gone wrong, um, and it and it's unfortunate, you know, to see that happen. But you know, that's kind of how how the game gets played at sometimes. So it's just, you know, hopefully they can just pick up and and go forward from here. But it wasn't the prettiest game I've ever seen. It definitely <laughs> but it was good. not. And, you know, it's good to see the Pats come back and and you know pull out the win. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for.
1: Uh, absolutely, from a fan perspective, uh, taking a look at that Titans Ravens game. A couple keys, which this is not groundbreaking analysis, guys, but a couple of keys to the game <laughs> for the Titans. They got to get back to uh, feeding Derrick Henry the ball, as the kids say. I mean, they were like, that's got to be, yeah. uh, that is the difference for this team. It was the difference last season, and it will, of course, be the difference going forward. Uh, this is a divisional uh, rematch from last year in which the Titans surprised the Ravens and, and beat them. The Ravens have been averaging in their last three games, they've been averaging 21.7 points. I'm going to get real technical on you guys 21.7 points on 5.2 yards per play in their last three games. Uh, I think they need to step up that number. So, this is going to be an interesting game. And I think we'll also see, like with Lamar Jackson, I don't think that's why they lost the other night at all. But we are seeing a bit of a dip in production over the last several games and Mm -hmm. certainly from last season. And They're going to need that to undip. Is that a word? To de-dip? Yeah. I don't know. Dip up. I don't know. Something (laughs) trend upward. Well, he would, he would,
0: he used to just carry things and he would do it on his back. And so when he is stopped, the other teammates have to do something. So it's not, you know, I guess I feel bad. I think that people are just used to him being Lamar Jackson and pull it out like that. But when he is stopped, which is kind of the idea, if you're playing defense, then it's the, somebody else has to be able to do something else. And I think that's what's uh, kind of rough for him because it's the quarterbacks take all the blame, but at the same time, they can't do everything.
1: No, they can't do everything. But I think when he was doing everything, of course, um, that's that's what he was used to. That's what the team is used to. And they're going to have to figure out a way – uh, to To get things going, because they are currently the seventh seed, so right. they're a little bit in danger of not making the playoffs, which I think they would find to be very disappointed, as disappointing as would Ravens fans everywhere, uh, which is understandable. And you know, not everybody's going to make the playoffs, so it's this is a, That's pretty, a tough division.
0: It's too. A very, I mean, it is a
1: tough division. Once the Steelers, so you know, the Steelers are obviously going to run away, away with it, but then when you get into the wild card there's, there's a lot, you know, going on. we saw the Colts mm-hmm. come with up with a huge win over the Titans the other night. Uh, mm-hmm. and they're a, a scary team as well. They're currently the number four seed. So things right. are, uh, and that's of course in the AFC South, not in the AFC North, but still, it just, I think worth mentioning what a difference we're seeing there. And then I think the team that we must discuss, which is incredible who a year ago was a complete laughingstock is the Miami Dolphins. Brian Flores has got to be the front runner for coach of the year. Uh, yeah. you know, what an incredible turnaround They're They have a great defense. Tua is playing great and they are currently the number six seed and they hold the tiebreaker over the Titans. So, and over the Ravens, I believe. So this weekend they're at Denver, which mm-hmm. any given Sunday, but should be, Uh, a win for them. They're certainly the superior team in that one. So I'm kind of a little bit like low key, maybe not even that low key rooting for the (laughs) dolphins here. I mean, I think what a fun story. I'd love to see them so far in the playoffs.
0: For sure. And, and I did not have them pegged, you know, I thought it was going to be a total rebuilding year, but they've hit the ground running and what they've been able to do. Um, on both sides of the ball is really spectacular and they have two really good quarterbacks. I mean, competent, but not, but, but it, he, he's going to take this team very far and it's exciting to watch. I mean, and I didn't think that they would be good at all. So like, there goes my football knowledge <laughs>
1: completely. <laughs> well, I think in fairness to you, it was a surprise to everybody. Just Everyone, how yeah. good they have been uh, and the way that we've seen them step up and, and, Really change things around, and you know, I think we saw it a little bit. It's a, I mean, it's not. I don't know that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, so it's a little bit different. But I think we saw it a little bit with San Francisco. Two, thousand seventeen was a terrible year. Two thousand eighteen mm-hmm. probably would not have been a as bad a year had Garoppolo not gotten injured right, in that right. game three. But then last year, all of a sudden, you have this forty nine ers team that everyone's like, where did they come from? And I, I do think it's a little different because, like I said, I think twenty eighteen everything changed when Garoppolo got injured, but you are seeing a team where everyone's like, oh, okay, but you know what? Good for them. And it's so much better to be that team that comes up from under the radar.
0: And then something
1: else that's going to be kind of interesting to watch in the AFC, obviously the Steelers and Chiefs are going to the playoffs, but only a game separates them at the moment in terms of being the number one seed. The Steelers are nine and oh, the Chiefs are eight and one. That the race for the number one seed is going to be kind of interesting to watch you know going down to the why are these wild card matchups and these wild card seedings will obviously be kind of like the bigger story but with only one team getting the number 1 seed this year it makes a huge huge difference huge. uh so i think that's just going to be kind of something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks i mean in theory the steelers are going to lose a game so you know what happens right. at the end of the season so we'll see it should be uh kind of an interesting one it's probably not going to be this weekend cuz they're playing the jags um your poor Jack, your former, your former team, um, your poor Jack, but you know, any given Sunday, but the they Chiefs play, they almost,
0: they almost upset Green Bay yes, they on did Sunday. So, you know, Hey, I mean, I don't know. They're just that team that they play really hard, but they find a way to lose. So it's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I think there's a lot to build on there. Um, but we'll see. The, what's kind of crazy to me about the AFC, like the way it ranks and how, because this is our new number one seed thing, is how the Raiders played the Chiefs and beat the Chiefs, which was their one loss. Mm-hmm. But the Raiders aren't bad either. And they're six and three, but they're right in that division. So they're going to be playing each other again. This, so it's this interesting. Weekend on Sunday yeah. night. Yeah. So it's a it's a very big game for both teams. Huge. Huge. Yeah, because if they, if they win, I mean, well, if the Raiders win, obviously that's a huge leg up for on their numbers, but it also gives them an advantage over the Chiefs when playoff time comes. So, it's interesting how that's all going to I don't know, it's interesting.
1: And I think it's worth mentioning cuz I mentioned the Bills earlier who do have a bye this week. They're 7 and 3. They have a half-game lead in the AFC East. Over the Dolphins. So, this thing is not mm-hmm. over so by nope. any means. And so, you know, like I said, the Dolphins are at Denver, the Bills have a bye, but these next few weeks are going to be really exciting. And maybe I'm just not remembering, but they feel kind of as exciting as we've had in the last few years in terms of. Especially you know, in the AFC. Yeah, yes, I mean. Especially, yes, especially in the AFC. I think this is going to be really they're really competitive yeah yeah they are they're, they're really competitive.
0: competitive I mean yeah the Steelers the Ravers Ravers Ravens <laughs> and, and the Steelers in the north and then the west is Chiefs Raiders and then of course you have the Bills Dolphins in the east so having a competitive division like that I I, I that's just good football On the Colts and the Titans so in the south so
1: I don't know that's it's it's good to see them
0: competitive again
1: it really is, and I think with with the Colts, I mean, the Colts and the Titans are both six and three. Colts just, mm-hmm. they have the head-to-head tiebreaker right now. Right, So and it could come down to that, which it is totally crazy. Could. Yeah, it, it totally could. So this is, it's just going to be really fun to watch, and then the NFC, you know, will keep a very close eye on that NFC West, and, I mean, it would be kind of incredible if three out of the four teams end up in the playoffs. The dream of the four, all four teams' playoffs is not over, but it's basically over, I think, I don't, I mean, the 49ers will get a, they're on a bye this week and they'll get a bunch of guys back after the bye, but I still mm-hmm. think they're going to ha, would have to almost win out or move, win five, move, move mountains, <laughs> win at least like five of their next, their last six games, six there. I don't know. We'll see, but I, I don't know that that's going to be. I just think because there are just too many good teams in their division that are probably all going to the, either, you know, there'll be a right. division winner and, it, and the two wild card spots, two of those spots have got to go to NFC US teams. So, Lots to keep an eye on over the next several weeks, uh, so that yeah. is very exciting. Uh, so then, from real football to fake football, uh, <laughs> well, we are it's in real to me. It's, you know what? It's <laughs> real to me too. I, the Dylan Panthers are close to my heart. We are going back to Dylan friends, in case you didn't quite get that transition. Uh, we are going <laughs> back to Dylan, where we are in season two, episode four, an episode entitled "Backfire," uh, which is really a good name for this episode. And I think I teased last week that there's something happens at the end of this episode that I thought was really, really important. And I want to start by saying, you know, they did a very good job of making McGregor the villain. And talking Mm -hmm. about this storyline, and I know we talked about it last week, but this storyline where Coach Taylor goes to Austin to coach for the fictional TMU, his family stays home, and of course, all of the problems that that creates within the family. Looking back on it now, it's not my favorite storyline because it just was a little too. I don't know. I didn't love it. Like I think he either should have turned down the TMU job and that could have created friction in the family. You know, he could have been a little resentful about that and it's something they could have worked through in season two, but the fact that he goes and within four episodes he's back as the coach of the Panthers is like not my favorite storyline, but that's okay because you know, I still love Friday night lights the most, but (laughs) I just feel like that may have been maybe a better way to handle it. But that being said, I think yeah. there were reasons. And I think the stuff with coach McGregor is important. So let's do our, our little recap on what happens here. Uh, the Landry has is at dinner with his parents and Tyra. She's over for dinner and his dad has to leave early because a body has been pulled out of the river. Dot <laughs> duh. Of course it is the body that we know of. Uh, so now things, now Landry is of course freaking out for obvious reasons and understandably so he wants to turn himself in. Tyra does not want him to do so, but you know, there's something here that he's brought up before. And I don't know that we've talked about that much, but at the end of the day, he is responsible for killing the man. Tyra is not. And it was self-defense and he did what he had to do in the moment, but I think he's carrying around a guilt that Tyra can't fully understand. Uh, of course, she feels responsible because it was something that was happening to her and he was defending her. But at the end of the day, the person who who killed him is Landry. So, mm-hmm. you know, he is dealing with that and what that means. Of course, Tyra helped get rid of the body. So there would be all kinds of things <laughs> involved there if it got to that point. Uh, but let's, on that storyline, they call Tyra and her mother into the station. Now, if you'll remember, Tyra had not told her mom uh, about the attempted sexual assault. And so it was Tammy that knew and Tammy that went with her to the police station, but this is the first her mother is hearing about it, but they show her the picture of the body that was taken from the river. And they say, is this the man that, you know, assaulted you? And she says it is. And he had been wanted for rape in two other States. And this was definitely a very bad person. Uh, So he'd been wanted for rape in two other States. And so that part of the nightmare is over, which Tyra of course knew going into this, but that part of the nightmare is over. But Landry's dad is at the station and sees Tyra and her mom, you know, in the, uh, I don't know if it was an interrogation room, but in a room with uh, the detective and crying. And so he's, you can see Landry's dad is like starting to put it something together. He isn't quite, right. I mean, he is, he is a police officer. He hasn't quite got all the pieces of the puzzle, but he already thinks the relationship is a little odd. He doesn't quite understand it. He now sees Tyra at the station being shown the picture of the man who was brought to the river. So he's starting to kind of put it together a little bit. So that is what's going on there. Meanwhile, we've got Tim and Jason in Mexico, which of course is as could be as much of a disaster as it sounds like. Uh, But Jason is there because he wants to do an experimental surgery where he thinks he will be able to walk again. He has brought $10,000 with him. They get there. The doctor's on vacation with his family. Uh, So they are hanging out in a hotel room essentially for a week waiting for the doctor until Tim makes them go out and they go out and they have a really fun night and they get wasted. And and Jason says, you know, I'm going to be able to walk again. And it just breaks Tim's heart because Tim can see that something is not right. And he keeps asking the doctor, why can't they do this procedure in the States again? And the doctor keeps coming up with an excuse. But the reality is, is probably because it's not an approved a procedure. scam. It's a scam. It's a total scam, which is why they can't do it in the States. And Tim can figure that out. He ends up calling Lila at the end of the show. And he says something interesting to her. He says, I've never asked you for anything, but I need you to come down here because I'm so yeah. scared that he's if he goes through with this, he's going to die. And he yeah. won't listen to me. And I need you to come down here. So that is, you know, we see, and these are the parts of Tim that make him kind of a complicated ter- character that make him somebody that you do care about and that makes you realize that like, he is a good person. He makes bad choices often. He has no one to show him how to make better choices unfortunately. Um but at the end of the day he is a good person with a good heart and he does care about his friend and he's very very concerned. And thank God he went with him to Mexico cuz can you imagine what would have happened if he hadn't? Um, so that is what's going on there. Lila has gone to a, uh, essentially like a, a juvenile detention center as part of her, uh, what is it called? It's like a Christian outreach, I guess is what it is oh. with her church. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so she goes to a juvenile detention center to talk to, you know, the guys there. And one of the guys really makes an impression on her. And he says, you know, you're, you're talking about God. If God is so great, Why does this guy's, why did this guy's parents drink and then, and beat on him? And, and why did this happen? And why did that happen? And, you know, he makes a lot of good points and asks a lot of questions that Lila can't answer, uh, and, and doesn't really try to. Uh, but so she's leaving one day and this kid, his name is Santiago. He is walking away and she gives him a ride and gives him a ride home. And basically he needs a job, um, because he's going to be, on probation, and he needs a job, and it's going to obviously be more difficult for him to get one because he's coming out of a juvenile detention center. And all he did—maybe not all he did—but he was he was selling pot, which is what he got in trouble for. So it's just you know, again, this is years ago, and this is before things kind of change in that realm. <laughs> that wouldn't be that would not be a, an issue right now, and it shouldn't have really. There, I don't think there's any reason he should have had to spend two years in a detention center that could have potentially ruined his life then. But that is a whole other conversation. Uh, but she he needs a job and she wants her mom to hire him to paint the garage and she won't do it. And she's concerned about having, as she says, an ex-con around Lila's brother and sister. So she talks to Buddy about it. And I think Buddy sees an opportunity to do right by Lila. Oh, yeah. And For he's sure. having a lot of trouble doing right by Lila right now. Uh, and Lila really kind of basically is barely speaking to him and hates him. So he gives him a job and he's going to work in auto parts at the dealership and he's giving him an opportunity, which of course puts him quite a bit of favor in the eyes of Lila. We will find in the coming episodes that Buddy has even more ideas of things that he can <laughs> do to help. But it's actually does become a storyline in which you really, you start to care for Buddy. It's interesting as we're talking about this, it's kind of interesting. Buddy and Tim, and you've talked about this before a lot, how there are so many similarities there. Very much has. And it's kind of not surprising that Lila over time, you know, had developed feelings for Tim, maybe still has feelings for Tim, and we'll see what happens. But um, it's kind because of, it's kind of a little bit what she knows, really, if you think about it in a lot of ways. Well, and I know that's kind of
0: like a little offshoot, but like –
1: The whole point of Lila
0: even going to that juvie or whatever, detention, whatever it is, for the kids and Mm -hmm. the boys, is she's trying to attempt to minister, you know, to these kids, you know, and change their life, however awkwardly she does it there. But, you know, but you kind of, like, appreciate that about Lila because... You know, there's Christians who talk the talk, but she's literally walking the walk. You know, mm-hmm. she's going and she's doing it. So that's something that I really love about Lila. Like she is like full on. And so even if you're like, okay, this is kind of crazy of what she's doing, she really believes it and she's she's putting her heart into it. Now you know, with Buddy, he's not necessarily um, talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. Like, you know yep. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he's willing to go and do those things. Same with Tim. Like, maybe he doesn't talk and he doesn't have the right words or doesn't show every single thing the, the right way to be, but deep down, he'll do the right thing. And that's what I like about Tim and Buddy, you know, because they yes. do the right thing. They do do that the makes right any thing.
1: Sense. It total it totally does, and I think their heart is in the right place. Even if sometimes mm-hmm. there are selfish reasons but I mean, Tim went to Mexico because he wanted to get out of Dodge, um, seeing what's right. going on with Billy and his ex girlfriend. But he also wanted to be with Jason, and he cares for him.
0: He you does know, buddy, love him.
1: He yeah. does love him. Buddy is giving uh, giving Santiago a chance because of Lila but he's still doing it. And, you know, there is, right. and there's a moment, as, as you said, when she was talking to the kids and, and, uh, he says to her, the Santiago says to Lila, if you saw us on the street, you wouldn't, you'd run the other way. And when she's leaving the center and he's leaving, um, when he's leaving and she, and she said, she gives him a ride. Cause she says, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Right. And mm-hmm. she gives him a ride and gives him a ride home. And, that's, you know, you're right. She does walk the walk and it's very on brand for her character because when Jason got hurt, I mean, who was there every day and
0: right. Peppy
1: and let me do this, let me do that. And I think, you know, that is something we see, and that's it's who she is as a person, as a character. And I think we're seeing as these kids grow up, we're seeing really who they are and what they will become in a good way. So, you know, I think that's that's very true. Uh meanwhile, in the Taylor household we have a few things going on. So, uh, they, those, the Panthers lose their second game of the season and they fire coach McGregor who is, and they said, we want to go to another direction. And of course he can see like something is up. Um, mm-hmm. and they only want to go another direction because they want to bring coach Taylor back. And he, Eric wants to get back to Dylan and he says, it's, I think he says bull crap because this was network television. Um, and so <laughs> he says it's like bull crap or just bull or something along those lines. And he can see something is definitely going on. But they say to him, We're gonna give you your your full, your salary and a severance package, which remember that, guys, because that actually becomes an issue later. So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind for a future episode or two. Mm-hmm. Um, because that definitely becomes a bit of an issue. And, you know, that's it. However, he ends up like potentially kind of suing because he thinks it's wrongful termination and there was no real reason given for it but you know buddy says like we you know there we had a guy we had a student pass out and the lawyer McGregor's lawyer says it was Tim Riggin's he was probably hung over which Oof. just this town sums it right up that everybody knows like about everybody's everything um and but McGregor is ultimately let go and Eric is rehired. Now, uh, when he comes back in the beginning, he's, he's talking to Julie and they're going for a driving lesson. So there's something that happens before that. Julie wants to practice driving and her mother is watching. This is before, you know, Eric's still at TMU and Tammy is watching his game. Gracie's falling asleep. And Julie comes in and says like, I need to practice driving. And she says, I can't, you know, Tammy says, I can't do it right. The second Gracie's about to fall asleep. I'm watching your father's game. I'm exhausted. And Julie says something to the effect, don't let the blob let you forget that I'm still your daughter. And that is really the crux of what Julie has been dealing with. Her dad is gone most of the time. Her mom's totally focused on the baby because the baby obviously needs a ton of attention because she's a baby. Uh, <laughs> Julie is feeling very abandoned. And it's understandably so. She's, you know, 15, 16, she's 15 years old, I believe, at this point. And like, you know, she's been her up until now her whole life. So She's dealing with that. So when Eric comes back uh, for a little while, he does teach her some driving and he asks her about the Swede and, you know, they have a little bit of a heart to heart. Uh, But before that, he does let the head coach at TMU know that he has to leave for personal reasons and go back to Dylan. And the coach says, you knew your wife was pregnant when you took this job, correct? Mm -hmm. I did, but, you know, essentially he didn't realize how Badly, he was going to be needed at home. But he says, I've come up with a, a transition plan and so-and-so can take over this part and in a couple of weeks we could do this. And he basically, the coach says to him, like, turn in your stuff. This isn't IBM, I think, or exact words. Yeah. Uh, this isn't IBM and we're not doing transition packages. If you're leaving, you're leaving. And goodbye. So he does <laughs> and he gets back and he and Tammy, after much coaxing from Eric, decide to unground Julie. And there's a moment when Julie and her mom are driving and they almost get in a fight while they're driving. Same with Eric. She almost she almost gets into an accident. Uh, but when they're driving, they Tammy asks her to pull over and she tells her a story of when she was 15 that there was a boy that she was obsessed with and was so into him and she went to this party with him and she slept with him and it was the first person she slept with and he treated her like crap afterwards. And of right. course, she doesn't want that. For Julie. And she says, this guy doesn't even have a name. We just call him the Swede. So uh, Julie does tell her his name is Anton. And she says, he, he does like me. And Tammy says something very interesting. She says, but he doesn't love you. And that's a difference. And I think she's trying to protect her from something that happened to her that was very hurtful as a child. So later in the episode, Julie ends up going over to his house because they're supposed to have plants. And Mm -hmm. he's clearly forgotten that they're supposed to have plans. And so they're instead going to go meet his friends. And she starts crying because she realizes her mom's right. Mm -hmm. And it obviously doesn't feel great. This guy that she's so into has forgotten they had plans. And she leaves and she comes home and she's crying. And so she has a moment with her mom. And it might be a little bit of a breakthrough moment. Maybe. Um, So uh, (laughs) – Eric comes back. Uh, He finds out when he comes back, literally like almost immediately that McGregor is suing them. But as I said earlier, they get through that and he's Eric's gonna be back as the coach of the Panthers. And this is the moment there's a moment towards the end of the episode that I just think is really important. And, and it just shows like, I think we very much put the Taylors on a pedestal and they're really like kind of our, protagonists and heroes of the show, but (laughs) nobody's perfect and people make mistakes and maybe don't always think through how their actions affect other people. So on his way out of town, Coach McGregor comes to the Taylors and says to Eric, I've been coaching a long time Mm -hmm. and I've been fired before and I'll probably be fired again, but this is the first time I've ever been screwed by another coach. And you see in the background his family in their car and their U-Haul all packed up and ready to go. And Eric, you can tell it really has an effect on Eric because he didn't think about it. All he was thinking about was, I need to get back there and my family needs me and there's an opportunity I'm going to take it. But he didn't really think about what that was going to do to the other person. And I think that happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really like Coach. Taylor set out to screw him or anything like that, you know, it was Buddy that kind of engineered the whole, you know, thing. And, you know, but, you know, even being a passive um, person in that situation, you know, it, it impacts people. And so, I don't know, it's, uh, that's hard. I mean, but at the same time, it's, it's tough because he wants to, he kind of, goes on this high moral ground and this is how I'm doing it and he wants to be a person of this character. But at times there's just nothing you can do to, you know, avoid that too. So I don't know. I felt I felt for him. I felt that was like a tough position to be in.
1: It was, it was a tough position to be in. And I think I agree with you. I don't think he set out to do it. He was a passive participant, but he was still a participant. And I think he just didn't think about it until that happened. And Coach McGregor says to him, I have a family too. And because he understands why he needs to come back, but he also has a family and now they're leaving town and that's not going to look great on his resume that he was fired after two games. And it's just, it was, it was an interesting moment because I think it was a reminder that for all of us, sometimes we get caught up in what's best for us and doing what we need to do and don't think about maybe how that impacts another person, because I don't think he was thinking about that at all. I don't think Coach no. McGregor even, like, came into his mindset and then that was a very, you know, big moment for him. And it was, I think, a growing moment but a hard moment. And I think it was a hard moment for Tammy too because I think all of a sudden she was like, oh, yeah, this guy's got a family too. Yeah, we're, we're struggling but now they're struggling. It's true. I mean,
0: I, I, even just learning in life, this is something that even when I've been offered jobs and stuff, they're like, don't consider it unless you really want this because you're going to take someone else's job. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like how it was always like told to me, like, make sure you really want this because then, you know, you could be taking someone else. And I was like, oh. then it makes you think about, okay, well, do I, you know, because you don't want, you, there's a domino effect. Your your decisions have an impact on other
1: people's lives. So it's like, we're more connected than we even realize at times, but right. And it's different. Had they both been up for the job, and Eric got it, that's one thing. But there was a, mm-hmm. a plan put into motion. You right. know, whether he was a passive participant or not, it was a plan put into motion to, yeah, to screw him, to yeah. screw him. And I think that you know that was, I think that was very difficult for Eric to, once he yeah. realized that. Like when, why don't once he put that together? Um, you know, I think he really realized that. So the episode episode ends with. Eric at practice back in his Panthers collared shirt and hat, uh, <laughs> coming in and saying, you know, we got a game on Tuesday and, or we got a game in two days and I don't think you guys want another loss and quarterbacks and receivers. You're going to be with me and so-and-so you're going to be with Mac and let's go. And now he's back. So, um, there's that. So that was uh, the end of that episode, but we have a lot going on because next week we are going to be back in Mexico with Lila joining the group. (laughs) We have what's going on with uh, Landry and Tyra, uh, how the Taylors are going to readjust. And there's a lot that happens with Matt in the next coming episodes, which um, are really important and a lot that Julie struggles through as a result. Um, And I think we're going to see when we talk about choices we make and the consequences we have, Julie is going to see a lot of that as well in the, the next several episodes. So lots to look forward to on the Friday Night Lights train. Uh, before we go, Steph, I think it's probably time for <laughs> Fangirl Says Who's Hot, Who's Not. All right. Uh, so
0: my Fangirl um, Says Who's Hot is definitely Kyler Murray. His Hail Mary pass was just about the most amazing thing I've seen in a while. Fair and <laughs> my who's not, um, you know, you know who I'm going with is Harden. There was news or rumor that they tried to re-sign him with the Rockets, and he didn't want anything to do with it. So James he Hardin, is yeah. my
1: <laughs> um, who's not because I just think that's pretty lame. Okay, fine. Sorry, James Harden, but you are <laughs> steps who's not. Uh, I'm going to give my who's hot a close – it's a very – it was very close, but since you took Kyler Murray, I'm going to go with Brian Flores because what a turnaround (laughs) for that Miami Dolphins team. Even if they don't make the playoffs, what a turnaround, but I think they're going to. So he is going to be my who's hot and my who's not hot. You know, I'm going to say Coach Taylor this week for – for making those decisions and not thinking through what they meant. I don't think it's a it's a strike on his character. I just think it's a it's a good example of sometimes you got to think about how your choices and decisions impact other people and I would say he also He, he ended up, I think generally the whole situation is not hot because he put himself in a very tough position. As he says to Buddy, he signed a two-year non-compete, which means he can't take another college job. And in real life, his, it would not look good in the future. You know, other college teams will now think twice before offering him a position. So I think everything he did in this situation was not hot. That being said, He did what was best for his family in the end. And that's super hot. But I just think the way it was handled was not hot. So that's what I'm going with for that. (laughs) Uh, And with that, next week, we'll be talking what happened in week 11 of the NFL, looking ahead at week 12 uh, and, of course, the big Thanksgiving games. And we will be on to episode five of season two of Friday Night Lights. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, everybody. Bye!
0: Sports Opinions with a Side of Satire. We're
1: the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue.
0: We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're funny AF. AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com.